0: I'd ask you to take your Bibles tonight and turn with me over to the book of Second Chronicles just for uh, a few moments. And what we want to talk about tonight is, I mentioned this in glimpses, some of the things you've seen here recently. Have you seen the news reports of this very handsome young man that is on the news outlets, and I would imagine in your newspapers as well, And it has, uh, there are pictures of him, six foot five. Uh, He was actually slam dunking the basketball through the hoop. In the one picture, a very popular athlete. His father was actually the head coach of the basketball team at the University of Indianapolis. And to devote more time to his son in Kentucky, uh, that father decided to resign from that position and go and be a high school coach there in Kentucky in order to be near his son and work more closely with his family and the dad decided he was a history teacher and said he would teach history and actually be the coach and there are pictures online of this young man having a really good time with his family there was a picture of a cake with red white and blue and he's there and you can tell he's just kind of enjoying it looks like a July 4th celebration of some kind but then, as you move on through those pictures, you realize that uh, there is a picture of him, and he is in a shirt that was provided by the bank where he worked. And then the realization comes to you that this very handsome young man that you are looking at popular, six foot five, uh, really fresh faced, that at 23 years of age, he is the killer who went on a rampage down in Louisville, Kentucky, at the bank down there. Old National, if I remember correctly, for the name of the bank. And I don't know about you, but I I find myself on those occasions just studying the pictures of someone who does something like this, especially recent pictures, to see if I can find any hint of evil whatsoever, any, any indication whatsoever that this was a troubled young man or that there was anything like this in the offing whatsoever. Now, a news report came out today and his family expressed their condolences to everybody and their shock and amazement at all this. They did say that their son had wrestled with what they called mental health problems But they they were quick to say mental health problems like many of his contemporaries. And you kind of wonder, you know, what what exactly are they talking about? So tonight what I want to just talk to you about briefly and in summary form, because some of the things we've talked about, we've talked about before. I just think sometimes repetition is the key to learning. I specifically want to address this question of evil. And you can see if you're turned over, turned your Bible over there to 2 Chronicles chapter 12, Look at verse 14. It's speaking of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the son of King Solomon. Remember, Rehoboam was the king who was over the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to the south. There had been a split. His brother Jeroboam uh, divided the kingdom and took the ten tribes to the north. And it talks a little bit about, about Rehoboam and sort of the struggles that he went through there. And I won't go through complete exposition of this tonight, but if you look at the first verse in Second Chronicles chapter 12, you see that when Rehoboam had strengthened himself and established himself as the leader of his kingdom, it says, then he forsook the law of his God. Then, then he went his own way when he thought that he had the power to be in control. I just found this summation of his life really troubling in 2 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 14 Harriet and I uh, were reading this the other night before we retired and this verse just jumped off the page I mean just what if your life were characterized, summarized with, with divine authority what if your life were summarized this way, 2 Chronicles twelve fourteen. He he did evil okay Why did he do evil? And it says, because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. He did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but when you look around at the faces of the people around you, I mean, you could look around tonight at the faces of the people. Who are all around you, and you, the the people you work with, and the people you meet, whether in the drive-through or the cashier that you meet at the store. Do you find yourself uh, wondering uh, what evil resides there? What what evil? I'm, I'm not I'm not asking us all to be uh, paranoid in any sense or fearful. I, I'm just asking the question: How is it that anybody? Uh, deals with evil, and, and how do they restrain the evil that's in their hearts? It's a really significant question. So just for the next few minutes, I'd like to talk to you specifically about what does it mean to prepare your heart to seek the Lord? Could we all agree on that tonight? that certainly what every one of us needs to do to restrain evil is we all need to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord. So let's talk about how would you do that? How would you prepare your heart to seek the Lord? And how would you help others? This includes uh, your own children, your colleagues, your fellow church members. How would you help others to do the same? How would you help them to, again, restrain evil or avoid doing evil by preparing their hearts to seek the Lord. So let's talk just briefly tonight in summary form, and I'm hoping that this will be really familiar, but if not, just uh, try to give it to you in terms of an acronym of how we could quickly say, hey, I, I know how to prepare my, prepare my heart to seek the Lord. And so let's just dive right in. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3 speaking of the scripture, says, Blessed is he who reads. Blessed is he who reads, and those that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Pastor Rod and I have labored now for many, many months over this book of the Revelation. Hope to return to it on the morning of the 23rd, I think it is, with uh, Revelation 21, verse 9, if I remember correctly. But, Think about the blessing that's associated with reading the scriptures in order to put them into practice. Okay, here's the question. If you you wanted to restrain evil, how would you prepare your heart to restrain evil? Now think about the way I'm asking this question just for a moment. How could you pre-plan your own obedience how could you make choices to say, I want, I want to make this choice in advance? Several years ago, I was preaching down here at the jail, and one of, a man from our church was with me. And so I, I raised this question. This was with the men prisoners. I raised this question. What is your greatest influence on your own life? Not the greatest influence. What is your greatest influence on your own life? And they thought about it for a little bit. And then one of the prisoners said, uh, beer. And they all started laughing. They, or One of them started laughing. The other guy who was with me, he got really upset. And I said, no, no, no. He's, he's actually illustrating my point. And I said to them all, you know, after they got over uh, the giggles, I said, so let me point this out to you. Your greatest influence on your own life is your choices. The principle of sowing and reaping, what you plant, you will harvest. What you sow, you will reap, tells you. That one of your greatest influences, your most perhaps your most significant influence on your future, on your life, on your destiny, on the way things are going, it's your choices. It's, it's the choices that you and I are making. The appeal I'm making tonight specifically is that we would make choices this way. We would choose to do what the scriptures tell us to do, to read the word of God. When Paul was speaking to Timothy about this, he said, "Till I come,' give attendance to reading. I think he was talking there about the public reading of the Word of God, to reading, to exhorting. We call that a lot of times preaching, you know, you opening the Word of God up and then basically conveying what it says to doctrine would be the teaching of the word there is a real emphasis here on the scripture, so let's get right to it and talk about, okay, what are, we, what are we really seeing from this? I'm going to give you the acronym tonight, SWEEP, S-W-E-E-P, and here's the first one. The first one is scripture reading. So let me just pause the message and say, are you reading your Bible? Are you reading your Bible? I've watched over the years and just kind of noted this about myself and noticed others that you really have to be careful about the way you read your Bible. I had to laugh one time, a friend of mine and I, we were doing, uh, it was graduate work we were doing up in Wisconsin, and we were in the dormitory. And a friend of mine came in, and he said, I've got the neatest new way to read my Bible. And what he had was the Bible on, I think it was cassette tape at the time, but he had figured out how to run the speed up so that the narrator sounded, for all the world to me, like Donald Duck, and he while while he was listening to it real fast, he was also reading it really really fast, and uh, I kind of I kind of looked at the other guy. I thought, boy, you know, I I don't to me it just wasn't all that edifying to hear the Bible read, you know, with a Donald Duck voice. But what he was doing was he was trying to quickly work his way through the scripture so that he could do it in, you know, fairly, fairly quick order. I've watched that over the years, and have you experienced this? Have you been reading your Bible and your mind wandered away and you realized you had run your eyes across the page, but then you had to stop and catch yourself and kind of brought yourself up short and realized... I have no idea what I have no idea what I just read in my Bible. Has that happened to anybody besides me? Uh, and and what it what it makes every one of us do then is to say, "All right, wait a minute. Slow down. Slow down." You say, "Well, look, if the goal is to get through the Bible in a year, okay, you know, where does it say in the Bible thou must get through thy Bible in a year? You know, it doesn't say that. I mean, it's, it's basically what we're appealing for. Is periodic reading of the scriptures, and daily would be a really good choice. To say, hey, every day I, I want to get in the scripture, but I just want to, I just want to appeal to you. It's not merely running your eyes across the page or hearing it in a Donald Duck voice, so you can say you went through it fast. You got to read with comprehension. And look, every person is going to be different on this. I quite frankly have a hard time. Reading my Bible quickly because so many things catch my attention. As in the very the verse first verse that I put on the screen tonight, I'm reading a lot about Rehoboam and thought, "Whoa, hey, stop, stop, stop the reading!" And at that point, I can honestly say I move from scripture reading to the second point here. But the point is, you, you have to read your Bible slowly enough so that you really do uh, comprehend what you're you're reading. Uh, there's a lot of new studies out on what is called speed reading. I remember this when I was in elementary school. They had a, We had this test where it was called speed reading and comprehension. They would constantly bring it out, and you were supposed to do really, really well. They're starting to recognize that speed reading is not all it's cracked up to be and that the better thing to do would be to slow down and actually carefully think about what you're reading, even if it means that you don't read enormously large passages of Scripture every day. Okay, so here's the S in, in sweep, Scripture reading. But then you know that there is more associated with this. Well-known verses. Look at the one there on the screen, Psalm 1. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. Now that word meditates comes from the, a Hebrew word which means to mutter. Uh, do you talk to yourself? Any, anybody here be willing to say I talk to myself? By raising your hand, say I talk. See my hands up too. I I talk to myself. Okay, anybody get answers back? You know when when you talk to yourself. The the point behind what he's saying here, he says in this law he meditates is not merely that he mutters to himself, but that he mutters scripture to himself. That, that he fills his heart and mind with the scriptures and uses them and turns them over. And he says here, day and night. Now, I have to tell you, I've really given a lot of thought to this promise lately and just been kind of cleaving to this and holding on to this. He meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Look, if you have the promise from the Lord that whatever you do will prosper if you mutter or meditate day and night in the scripture, wouldn't it be worth it to do it? I think the answer is, of course it would. You see the same thing in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate therein day and night. He's making, I think, exactly the same point as you have over in Psalm 1. So what would be the second step? The first S was Scripture reading. What would the W be in sweep? Well, he's speaking here of meditation, concentration, giving yourself over carefully, the idea of getting that one thought every day out of Scripture. Here it is. It's W. The W is word-based meditation. The second habit, W, meditation in the word, word-based meditation Meditation on God in his word. And that's a pretty important distinction, I, I think. 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about we all with open face beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord. He tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Well, the way that happens is by muttering it over to ourselves, re- reviewing it in our minds. In other words, it's not just, hey, I, I did my Bible reading, Check mark. It actually is a question of how much of it actually stays in your mind. Uh, One of the most significant things about us is what is it that actually happens between our two ears. That's one of the most significant questions about every one of us. What actually happens in our thoughts? I was reading about David the other day. It said David said in his heart, and by the way, he gave himself some of the worst possible counsel when he said some things in his heart. Be sure that what you're muttering, be sure what you're turning over in your mind is actually the scripture. Well, think about Proverbs 6.22 and the promises you have associated with this. When you go, it, speaking of the scripture, will lead you. When you sleep, it will keep you. When you awaken, it will talk with you. It guides you. It guards you. It greets you. That's what you're really after here. You don't need less of the Scripture. You need more of the Scripture to saturate your heart and mind with the Word of God. But now let's kind of switch gears and talk about it this way. We talked about how to prepare our own hearts, and we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But how about helping others? Well, Hebrews 3.13 is the classic here. Exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Go back and read Hebrews 3, chapter, chapter 3, carefully in Hebrews, and notice there that the appeal in that particular section of Hebrews is this, don't harden your hearts as in the day of provocation. If memory serves me correctly, it's a quote from Psalm 95, don't harden your hearts as in the day of provocation. Well, he's warning you there about the dangers, the difficulties, the the bitterness, and everything else that rises out of hardening your heart. So here's what he says to do. Look, you can help other people. How do you do it? Encourage or exhort one another daily while it's called today. Is today today? Today's today, right? was yesterday. When we were there, was it called today? It's called today. So you recognize he's somewhat the ever-present reality here. Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Do you know someone who is being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? He says here, exhort one another daily. And so your letter E there in sweep, first of all, S, scripture, reading, W, word-based meditation, E, exhorting or encouraging one another, another believer with the word of God. That's important. Now, let's talk about it just for a minute because we want to kind of make the appeal here about what we're doing. What is it we're supposed to be doing for people who are born again? And the answer is we're supposed to be encouraging them, exhorting them. What about people who are lost? Well, we have this example, and I want to be really careful on this point. It's not a command. You're going to have a hard time finding a command. You ought to evangelize every day. But you certainly have the example. You have the example in the New Testament. Daily in the temple, in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus, praising God, having favor with all the people. The Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. I love Colossians 128, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Well, there is the fourth habit. If you're talking about daily habits for healthy discipleship, there's one. Do you have the, the gospel ready to go? Um, this you, Sometimes this comes on like the spur of the moment. You don't even see it coming, but immediately you're called upon. This happened to me on the Israel trip. It happened on the way back uh, from Israel. Just interacting with people and talking and suddenly realize, hey, it's time to speak up. It's time to actually share the gospel. And one of the people that I was sharing with turned out to be a very intelligent uh, individual And you just gotta be ready to be able to share the gospel in a in a form and in a way that they're ready for, evangelizing or proclaiming the good news of Christ. Now, basically, you could take what I've said here tonight and kind of illustrate it this way. So look at the S and W at the bottom of the chart. Scripture reading, word-based meditation. These go up into exhorting or encouraging people who know the Lord, evangelizing people who don't know the Lord. So you say, okay, we've got an S, W, E, E. What do you think the P represents? Well, when you and I get into the scriptures, if we're going to prepare our hearts, we know the answer is prayer. Prayer. The psalmist said, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. He shall hear my voice. He said, be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. That's really the example that you have in Scripture. So the fifth habit there is praying. Praying through a prayer list. Praying for others. Using what from the Scripture has meant so much to you that you could pray for others. So, for instance, think about the verse from tonight, Rehoboam. Using the negative example of Rehoboam, it said, He did evil in God's sight. He did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Who do you know that is in danger of doing evil? And how would you pray for them? Lord, help them to prepare their hearts to seek the Lord. Help them, Lord, I pray to. Take the kind of steps that we're talking about tonight in their scripture reading, and their biblical meditation. All bitterness is ultimately against the Lord. Lord, turn them away from that deceitful hardness and those kind of things. And then be ready to uh, speak up and to evangelize. So there's a chart for you in closing of taking the SWEEP scripture reading, word-based meditation. And these two flow up into exhorting, having something to say around the dinner table, having something to say in family devotions, having something to say when you're called upon by somebody else to be ready to, to evangelize. What did Peter say? Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks a reason of the hope that lies within you. And then certainly it can really inform your prayer life and change the way that you pray. So there's your uh, acronym tonight as we go to prayer. Scripture reading, word-based meditation, exhorting or encouraging another believer, evangelizing, sharing the gospel with the lost, and prayer. These are ways that we could prepare our hearts to seek the Lord. Now the question for all of us is, will we take these steps? None of us wants to do evil. Everybody wants to avoid evil. In Rehoboam's case, the reason he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Well, what if we were to reverse that and say, that's exactly what we are going to do. We're going to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord and help others to do the same. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, thank you for the opportunity tonight to gather around your word and be blessed and encouraged by just thinking through these principles I pray, to your Heavenly Father, that as we think about these principles now, you would help every one of us to have something to share, something from your word to dwell on and think about and meditate on so that we could express it to others and tell others about it, even use it to evangelize the lost, and most importantly to pray and use your word to reflect back to you. You've told us in your word, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. Dear Heavenly Father, I cry out to you tonight and ask that you would enable and help us to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord and to help others do the same. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's divide up for our prayer groups tonight, shall we?